Today, I have a very special episode for us all. You might remember Darren Silver from season one, where he shared with us his work as a rite of passage and vision quest guide for adults and young teenagers. In that episode, Darren also spoke about the role of myth and how he himself is trained as a myth teller. Now here, for the first time ever, due to our close friendship and my stubbornness, I've convinced Darren to share a most epic myth that he has written himself and hasn't yet shared with the world. It has lain dormant in hibernation, waiting for five years, and possibly many, many years before that, as every myth is indeed always lying in waiting somewhere in the collective subconscious built upon the bones of hundreds of archetypal stories. I insisted and insisted for Darren to share this tale because it holds exquisite poetry, medicine, and a message that is deeply relevant in today's world. On the surface, it's a story of twins, of a brother and a sister, and of their initiation. There are many stories within this story, and as you listen, ask yourself who the brother and sister may represent. There is magical surrealism here, life-altering challenges, mythic beings that populate their world, and also your inner landscape. It's a story that tells of ancient and enduring laws of reciprocity, of the ways of the forest, of how to barter in the exchanges of the soul. There are riddles here and mythic agreements and creatures that speak and weave wisdom through grit and pain and love. The enduring message that this myth leaves me with is that initiation does not come bundled in cozy sound baths and sipping cacao on a beach with a privileged few. No, no. Initiation is painful and tears us to our bones, and yet it is a sublime liberation because through initiation, we can manifest our gifts into the world. And as Darren says, for our gift to manifest, we have to wager our own skin. So sit back and listen to this one closely. Don't do other things or multitask during this episode. Be present, be receptive, and dignify the messages that are coming through as medicine for you because something will strike you close. Allow yourself to be carried away by the myth. And so we begin. It begins in the middle, on a path in a dark forest. She is walking towards home. Right now, like every other moment, she is walking towards us singing. They say, and say so correctly, that she is part wild. Her brother waits for her to return. In his lodge hangs in space all the possessions he thinks she desires. Memory banks like pieces of her bones. We call them computers and phones and such. What she wants, however, is the memory of her to piece back together his heart and his heart to sing her home. The tears are too big for him to do alone, and so she waits distant from the world. He waits for her and on something 
and someone else to remember. No one does, though. Everyone wants someone else to do the dirty work, shed the tears, make the holy dances, strip down to the bones and make a prayer worth releasing into the womb of the world. She's walking towards us right now, part wild, singing, surrounded by all the forgotten expressions of her mystery. She has challenges of her own. She longs to be seen in who she has always been, to reconnect with her brother in a grand celebration of life, for an altar of beauty to be made, for her to arrive. As for the brother, well, he is waiting patiently, praying on his knees, lodge decorated like a Christmas tree of metal and plastic mechanical puppets. He doesn't realize his fire is nearly out. He shivers from the austerity of his righteous and pretentious amnesia. We don't know if this is all a mask something to beguile him into his own becoming, or maybe it is him wearing the masks, not quite knowing what deities he is calling on, but wanting the deities to show up. What a gamble, an unreasonable, unpredictable, and riddled muddle of a story. She wonders, how will I get his attention? Possessions have possessed him. There must be something a little more clever she walks just a hundred miles away now, her song carried on the wings of migrating monarch butterflies, her lips moving with newborn humpback whales making their way to krill-thick northern waters. She is here and there. Look around. As I said, the story begins in the middle. She sends her breath through his lodge and through the door blows a spider her eight eyes weaving a landscape of eternity. His eyes met the spider. He hasn't seen her for years. She is the one that weaves the web that we call time. Sister sent her, as she is the one that can take us back to the beginning. He reaches for one of his possessions to identify her, but the spider snaps a question he can't resist. What is your name? You know, the name that I whispered into your ear when you were born. You alone cannot do anything to bring back your sister, and you alone are the only one that can. Let me give you a hint. In your name contains the agreements you made with your sister, who I might suggest has more than one name. Fire stands taller, brighter, and warmer to listen in on the conversation. Everything wanted him to delight in who he is. For in the land of conditions, you can be anything except who you really are. The young brother sat down, looking at the spider, considering the question and repeating to himself, What is my name? What is my name? For the first time in years, he stood up and left his lodge, and with it, everything he knew of comfort. He didn't look back. If he had he would have seen fire consuming his old lodge and spider dancing right into another story. The brother walked into memory, the womb of the world longing for his return, but never waiting, never waiting. He's returning now, meeting the years of absence. 
His sister took confidence in her brother and in the whole of life to participate in his becoming. After all, it isn't too far-fetched that everything that is her would want him to stand in his own knowing by means of remembering her. Everything else that filled his mind was a token that bought him one more day of thinking that life was about getting what he wants for his own sake. There are years, decades, and story after story standing between him and his birth. He thinks to himself, this world will eat me alive. I better begin to get as much as I can for myself. His belly churned in discomfort. A storm filled his aching. Like clouds of darkness, his heart swelled. It began to rain. Cold, hard rain. The water pounded him as the big world began to fatten. Rivers appeared where there was once an open plain. Climbing for dry ground, the brother was swept away as his world went downstream with his thoughts. The waters took him thoroughly away from the familiar and entered into a dark, dark cavern. He was sucked and swirled around and pulled deep into the earth, entering into the belly of all things. Water in a cave has resonance. Voices echoed as if he was being watched for what he would do. And he heard a voice, a familiar voice, one that came from the waters. When you were born, the whole of everything danced around you in concentric rings. I was your guardian and protected you for as long as I could until it was time for you to be amongst your people. Out you came, beautiful and brilliant. You wanted to tell everyone your purpose, but when you tried to speak, all you could do was cry. That is why all your people cry when you're born. So you wanted to learn the ways of your people so you could tell them why you came here. But in learning how to belong to your people, you forgot what you came here to do and have mistakenly thought that the purpose of tears was forgetting what you want and not for the sake of remembering what you love. We all do this, but do not wait any longer. I've made myself known to you so you can remember the first agreement. You came here with something only you can do. And this is known as your gift. The brother woke up on the banks of a stream, listening to the sound of the trickling water. He thought to himself, as we all do when we have a glimpse of the truth, my village is gone. And along with it, the strings of connection that allow me to sing the song of what I came here to do. There's no village, no community, not even someone that will listen to me. He faintly heard the waters say, we are always here. Places in the brother that hadn't moved in years began to move. His vision turned towards beauty. He gently put his hands on the stream in thanksgiving and continued to walk. His sister 
whom herself was everywhere, remembered a piece of herself and watched on. More awake than he was yesterday and not quite awake as he will be tomorrow, he walked through the underworld listening. He was in unknown territory. A forest waited for the opportunity to claim him. Some would say he's gone mad. Maybe he has. He talks to himself of universal plans, sees the patterns moving through all things, is turning ups, is turned upside down and downside up, following something very few, if any, can. To you and I, this place would be scary. Abandoned buildings, rusted out cars, vines swallowing history, wind rustling fallen leaves across vacant sidewalks, dark, damp forests. You know, the underworld can have a bite to it. There are hungry beings that invisibly battle for power. He walked enthralled with a majesty that bejeweled his tracks after each step. The forest was working on him. Perhaps he was thinking too much of himself. As is the way with things, the forest knows something we humans do not. And that is, for our gift to manifest, we need to wager a bit of our own skin. We need to put ourselves into life and fail, not once, but several times, losing everything that is not us so that what remains is who we've always been. The forest will also do what it must to receive its pay. Of course, this is all part of an old reciprocity that keeps life moving in proper order. It is the way of the forest. And he has entered, lovely and clueless. Sensing the necessity to pull the brother out of his self-indulgence, the forest dropped an acorn in front of him. It was glowing, shimmering, irresistible. And just before he was about to pick up the acorn, someone appears. A stag, its antlers subtly flowering in cycles of life, death, and rebirth. Chewing its cud and licking its lips, the stag smells of ocean waves and sways between the worlds like tides coming in and out. The pendulum of movements brings the brother into a deep trance. The stag was sent to provide him with tests, to barter in the ancient ways of the soul. The stag spoke, if you want that acorn, you must answer a riddle. Each time you do not get the correct answer, a part of who you think you are will become mine. Ready? Here is the riddle. What allows a bird to fly but is invisible? The brother immediately blurts out, The wind. No, says the stag, and the brother immediately loses something he never knew he always had his right to go wherever he wants at any given time. After all, this is the medicine the trees have to share with us, to stay put. For in the land of humans and of trees, if you don't fully inhabit your home, 
someone or something else will. The brother takes this as a punishment, but it's not. This is the process of making a home worthy of bringing his sister back. Brother, thinking he has the correct answer, asks the stag if he can try again. The stag says yes. Will. That's what allows the bird to fly. Its own willpower to do so. Again, the stag says no. The brother immediately felt like he was missing something, something that was planted in him during his childhood. And that is that life is a competition. That life competes itself against itself to survive, and he should too. The brother began to see all the ways life had been presented in an ever-growing line of unsophisticated to sophisticated, inefficient to efficient, primitive to advanced, and so on. The stag pointed out all the ways this illusion had flogged the brother from seeing the ecology of relationships each living thing holds to support all other life. You have one more chance, says the stag. Okay, let me think about it. What allows a bird to fly what is invisible? What allows a bird to fly what is invisible? Ah, yes, it must be. It must be resistance. Resistance allows the bird to fly. Yes, says the stag. And resistance informs where you will go and what you will do. Without resistance, we would all be floating around. If we got everything we always wanted, if everyone always thought the same way, or even if everyone acted the way you wanted, you wouldn't have any sense of who you are. You would never grow up. You would never know what is worth protecting if you always got what you wanted in the way you imagined getting it. This is the medicine of the acorn. For it to grow, it will require the resistance of the ground, so it too can grow up. I know the waters told you the first agreement, that you came here with a gift. This is the second agreement you must remember. For your gift to fully come to fruition, you will meet a force that will constantly change the way you think it looks. This force is resistance. Dance with this great force, always abiding by its laws, and you will abide in the ways of creation. Sister didn't blink an eye. She knew great tests were coming for her brother. He's going to have to learn how to work with all things in life, not trying to dominate by means of power, control, and competition, but by surrendering, by trust, and by gambling everything he has. It began to rain, a sweet rain. They are her tears. Acorn in hand, brother traveled yet again through the unknown landscape. He noticed subtle movements through the forest, life returning, trees opening the way for him to travel 
streams lapping the shores of his lips as he drank. He traveled great distances, growing into his upright posture every day. The eyelid of the underworld opened and closed day and night, day and night, over and over again. It could be happening right now. It could have been days, could have been years. Time doesn't always go in a straight line. Wild ones came not to limit or destroy him, but to guide him thoroughly into committing to learning. He wasn't lost. He just didn't quite know his way yet. Looking at the acorn, something landed home. For this to grow, I think I'm going to have to plant myself in one spot. I won't go anywhere until I receive guidance to do otherwise. And that's what he did. At the edge of a meadow, he sat down and didn't move. An avalanche of intentions filled him all of which by the end of the day had become irrelevant. He needed help to fulfill his purpose. He couldn't do it alone. He was in the business now of making some friends and restoring his connection to life. The ones that came, came to do the dirty work. They weren't playing small or going for small change. A shadow casted itself over the brother. He shook, buckled, and broke down. Shackles of modernity and narrowing, reductionist, downright isolating patterns fell off his shoulders like glaciers cracking off into the sea. He stood. He crawled. His senses woke up. He fasted and indulged fully in redemption. Voices from the past whittled him into his bones. Storms tore at his clothes. Ants bit at his ankles and tried to haul him away. Bears came with blood, claws and fangs, tearing at the patina of arrogance he had surrounded himself with. His life on the edge, he rollicked in his own muck. Agony took residence in his teeth, chattering. He had nothing he could say to stop the undoing that was happening. He was reclaiming what he had given away. And what he had given away was so big that it had to make some room for itself in his consciousness. Every last moment where he had shut down, he had to relive, untie, and offer as a gift to places where no human could lay eyes on or try to make ownership of like how a smell can transport you between time and space, he moved deeper into memory. The battles calmed, and a presence came before him, something that was familiar yet indescribable. The one that came was his twin, but took residence in the underworld when they were born. A beam of sunlight broke the horizon, and his twin began speaking. You have forgotten me, and I have tried all the ways to make my presence known. I have shown up when your life was challenging, when you could go no further and cried out for help. It is now that you have stopped running from place to place 
and made the commitment to find your sister that you are ready to receive the third agreement. You now know that you came here with a gift and there are forces that shape your gift known as resistance. The third agreement is this. You must give your gift away. In all circumstances, you must allow your gift to sink through you completely. It was and never will be for you to have for yourself. The brother asked, but what if I feel alone and there's no one to help me? His twin responded, you'll always be alone. For only you can deliver what you came here to deliver, but it is by means of giving your gift that those will come around giving their gifts. Your gift will be seen when it meets someone else's. It is then that together you will come together to create a much larger gift that won't be for you, but for the generations to come. With that, the acorn began to vibrate as if capturing the essence of the twin's message and the twin disappeared. Life for the brother wouldn't be the same. The sun broke through the clouds and the rhythm of his heart began to animate his imagination. He knew it was time to go. He stood glowing, arms in the air, and began to dance. All the while, his sister watched on. She too had to go through her tribulations, for while she knew she had a gift, she was still working to be discovered as the gift. Her challenges, mysterious. In fact, her challenges are her brother's neglect to rise into who he has always been, just as his challenges are what she neglects to rise fully in herself. They are intertwined. Here is one example. When brother failed to remember that he had a gift, it was a reflection of the power his sister had forgotten to create life. I mean, every gesture and movement of her body can sprout life. Unbeknownst to brother, he was learning how to abide in her creation by means of learning the agreements of each living thing that she so willingly lived. Her movements became his movements and vice versa. Together, they went towards the beginning. They were both exhausted as each day and night more pieces of the universe were brought into visibility and thus there was more responsibility. And yet, it was also beautiful. Everything shone brighter, more alive, embodied and inhabited, for in each aspect and thing in the universe, there are latent powers. She was coming ever more fully now, only a few feet away from presenting herself in full and ancient regalia, such a presentation that even today, the majesty of every still-remaining real, real human would bow to and kiss the earth in unmitigated service. He danced and sang a song of enchantment of uncanny possibilities. His dance mimicked the movements of what he saw when he followed the open roads of his senses. Voice and movement, the whole world turned towards him. Unforeseen events happen when we dance with the world. We hold counsel with all of life. The brother, unaware of what he was doing, began to call in beings from all directions, humans from distant lands, 
creatures of all shapes and sizes, each speaking their own language, holding their own perspective, bearing gifts. Everything came together to work as one, as everything took responsibility for their own nature. The heartbeat of the world, rhythmic and fluid, pushed the brother between all the voices into the empty spaces. A passage so narrow and swift, the final touches of who he wasn't became bird food for a flock of birds. Creation's voice rose up, out, and in all directions, rippling back towards the center, penetrating the brother, inspiriting his whole body, animating his movements into a silence he has never known a stillness that contained the movement of all of life. His body, heart, and mind were pushed through the surface of the earth and back into our world. Like a puppet whose puppeteer cut the strings, voices fell with the brother. His face hit the dirt, belly to the ground, sweating from the heat of his vocation, heartbeat of the earth reverberating through him. The fourth agreement came as one voice from the whole of life. For a moment, everything suddenly stopped. Every stream, all breezes, everything held its breath, and the message came through. Now that you have life again, you understand the most you could ever ask for has already been given. The fourth agreement is this. You have a choice. You have a choice if you want to live. You have a choice of whether you want to call back your sister or whether you will abide by the agreements. The choice is yours. If you want your sister to return, you could just call her name. But the real answer to your quest is in the question, what will you do? His sister was right there, nearly visible. All she needed from him was to ask her to return. He wept and sighed in exhaustion, his vision dimming, only a few words remaining in his voice box, his strength completely uncertain. It was then that the spider appeared, the one who was there at his birth. In fact, through his dancing, he had recreated the whole scene of his birth. But it wasn't only his birth. Life itself was on the brink of recreating itself. Concentric rings of creation swayed in poised desperation. The spider spoke, and your stain, stainless ramshackle of a used-to-be home, I told you your name carried the agreements you made with your sister. In learning the agreements, you were brought into the mysteries of your real home. Take courage, brother, for your final test is upon you. The acorn in the brother's hand began to vibrate, and his twin appeared riding the eight-tine stag, speaking, Don't give up now. This isn't only about you. Look around. All of life is here. Lean in and call upon your gift. Call upon your gift. 
electricity began to mount in the brother, a frustration built from generations of lost initiations, and he yelled, I don't know my gift. I don't know my name. I don't even know my sister's name. There's nothing I can do anymore. I've given everything. It was then his sister appeared in full form. She needed his emptiness to arrive unscathed. A hum took over creation and imbued her with a voice. Everything in the whole wide world began speaking. The mouth of the world spoke to itself. She said, The fullness of my remembrance has made my belly swell. There is new life coming, and the child that will be born will be many. My children will continually work towards my remembrance. Communities and gatherings will emerge that are working towards this and will go through unimaginable tests to piece me back together. By means of everyone following their gift, each will learn the agreements. This has been forgotten over the centuries. Now you know. Now you know. Do not forget. In one swift turn, her body became fully manifest in shimmering beauty, and life again would continue for another year. Brother, upon listening to his sister, was absorbed into a crowd during the celebration and still lives amongst us today. Though he is known to take long walks by himself, sit under oak trees, and speak with stags, he is always amongst us listening for the gift we each carry. A celebration ensued so sweet we can still hear the dancing today, the feet and voices bellowing in a clamor of rowdy delight. It's what we call our world. Except creation is still happening. There's nothing done about it. Your participation is necessary. And so it goes. Every so often, the blessed siblings gamble everything they have on each one of us, you and me, longing but never waiting, asking the question, what will you do to remember your part in piecing the world back together? As I said, she is here and there. Just look around.